Welcome to Dear Nina, a podcast about the ups and downs of friendship. I offer practical advice with the goal of making our friendships as great as possible. In today's episode, we are discussing how to balance the desire to be inclusive and never leave people out with the desire to have intimate time with friends. For example, can three to four friends within a larger group of, say, six friends get together without everyone else feeling left out? We will discuss it in full. And don't forget to listen to the end of the show for your better friendship goal of the week. Okay, let's get started. I invited my best friend Taryn back because number one, I go to her with every single problem I have, really big and small. And number two, she has helped tons of people who write into my column, and I know she will be able to help listeners too. So let's get right to it, Taryn. Thank you. Hi, Nina. It's so good to be here again. I'm just, we're so lucky with technology. We can talk and text constantly. I can have you on a podcast. It's, there's no boundary we cannot overcome. Thank God. So this week's question will be read by Julie Christensen, who lives in Southern California and writes romantic comedies. I'll link to her books in the show notes. Reminder that Julie is the reader of the question and not the writer of it. Dear Nina, my daughter-in-law posed this question and I could use your help with an answer. My son and daughter-in-law, Josh and Mia, had a dinner group of sorts with two other couples. The six of them would almost always get together at Josh and Mia's house because they didn't have a babysitter for their two-year-old twins, and the other couples had readily available childcare. Everyone got busy, and about six months had passed since the last get-together. Couple A said to Josh and Mia, Hey, we miss getting together for dinner. Let's make plans to go out to some family-friendly place with the kids. No mention of couple B. So Mia's question is this. Since dinner together had always been a thing with all three couples, should she ask couple B to join them? My response was no, because number one, this is a different scenario. Dinner out with the whole family rather than dinner at home with just couples. Number two, couple A initiated the plan, so it would be up to them to reach out to couple B if they wanted. Number three, trying to find a restaurant for three couples plus six kids would be tough. All right, Taryn, this really is a question that we can talk way beyond the characters, I'll call them, because I am assuming that the caller changed names in the question. It's what the caller is really getting it is how do you tactfully, these are the caller's exact words, how do you tactfully and gracefully make plans with friends who are part of a larger group without including everyone every time? What do you think? Well, For starters, I think sometimes, this is not really about the question, but sometimes this happens naturally. If you're in a group getting all four to six couples free on every given whim faces its own challenges, and you're not going to not move forward with plans sometimes, right? Like sometimes it just happens that way. Yeah. Now, but if everybody was included in that case, I feel like the people who aren't there maybe don't feel as bad because they were asked. Yes. So then the next layer of this is not like the question is about including other people, but I'm going to now flip it and say, what if you just sometimes want one-on-one time with people and that has to be okay too. I mean, not in, everyone just needs to give each other room for that. And we've all, I actually have a friend, so we obviously have social dynamics like this where- Most of the time, we are with, let's say, two couples, right? But then like once or twice a year, we do it 
like one-on-one. Those other two couples actually are with each other all like they're we're sort of like not in the group. They're in like a, a totally different group. And I remember we had plans with one of the couples. The other one called and said, what are you guys doing? And my friend was like, you know, we're going out with Doug and Taryn, and I would totally ask you to join us, but we haven't seen them in like four months. You know, respect. I respect And it was like a really great way of handling it um, because that has to be okay too. And there were no hard feelings. Like, you want to know what we did? We just put another date on the calendar for all of us to go out. You know, like there's, there's that's a great way to do it. Yeah, I mean, time is always happening. There's, a, there's always another Saturday night to throw on the calendar. Yes, now that we're post COVID, it is spe- especially totally. So it, we shouldn't treat all of those little things like these huge social faux pas because just make another plan. Exactly, and it it is a maturity issue. I think it takes experience and maturity to be able to accept that that. You're going to be there sometimes. You're not going to be there sometimes. And I really feel strongly. I worked on this on myself and I'm pretty good at it. I really am. not. I don't even have to convince myself not to feel bad. I genuinely don't. I'm happy that my friends get to get together and do stuff. And I am someone who does value time with less people at a time because otherwise it gets too chaotic and too surface. If it's always a big group all the time, you can't really talk. And I value those conversations and you don't get to be, it's unfair to be the kind of person who values time with just a few friends, but also expects to be included in everything. You can't have, well, you can have both. And I think there are people who kind of expect it both ways, but it's not really fair. If you, you, whoever this is, someone like me, I could be talking to myself, enjoy having just one-on-one or a couple with another couple, then you can assume or should assume other people also like that. And The second you have more, I've said this in my column actually a lot of times, the second you have more than six people around a table, it's not the same night. Now, once you go up to eight, there's like no scientific study on this. It's just, I I think I have terrible hearing. I Once we get up to eight people, now you're in two separate conversations because there's no way everyone can hear. So you have to, four people on one side of the table and four people on the other side of the table. It's almost like you're having two different evenings out if you're at a restaurant. Um, So I think the second you bump up after six, you're not even really all hanging out anyway. No, you're kind of at a dinner party at that point. Yeah, you're at a dinner party. I'm getting to the point now as I get older that if we're going to be more than six people, I'd really rather be at someone's house or some sort of venue where you can move around a little and you're not just sitting. Yeah, I would just like, I'm going to pivot for one second, that if you are in a dynamic with a friend or a couple in this situation, obviously, where you only see them when there are at least six other people there. Interesting. Then you are probably just social acquaintances. Yeah. You you actually probably, you're like friends plus. But if you actually are never alone with this person or this couple ever, you just kind of run in the same crowd. Yeah, right. You, you know? know? Somebody told me, I wish I could remember the article. And if I find it, I will put it in the show notes. There's an expression for when you realize you're the couple that's the buffer couple or something along the lines of like you, what you're getting at. You realize that you've never been alone with certain people that when you go to make plans, they always bring someone else. So maybe you're not the buffer, but you require a buffer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't think of an example in that personally, but I could see how that happens very easily. 
Yes. And and that's okay, by the way, to have friends like, you know, there's nothing wrong with having dynamics like that and to exist in a, a social group in that way. But I'm suggesting so it's like be less offended. Yes, you know, oh, I'm so it's glad just you said that. Yeah, that just like everybody that. and that you just everyone just has to be less offended and take it for what it is. And maybe at some point if you end up sitting next to that person in that big table and having good one-on-one conversation and you're like, oh, I actually want to spend time yeah. with this person outside of this group of eight or whatever, you know, make reach it happen, out. Reach, reach out. out. But you can't be, you have to just really understand what's going on here. And it's like, if you're only really seeing someone in numbers, then you're just like, social acquaintances, you you know? Yeah. And the be less offended is, by the way, I think a friendship key that could probably be the answer to almost every question I get. And it's, it's hard because I don't always want to say that to people because it makes it, I, I sound a little insensitive, but a lot of the issues that people have in their friendships would be solved if they, we talk about this a lot, that it's, it's more than just giving the benefit of the doubt. It's truly working on yourself to not take offense, to every little tiny thing because what happens is it builds up and now if you're offended all the time you're building you're basically building a case you're collecting evidence not only that i think that people's reactions tend to be to recoil from that relationship and i think it does the opposite of actually what you wanted and if let's just say we had friends who made plans without us and i was feeling like oh i wish i could be more a part of that then to me, the solution would be to pick up the phone and make the plan. Yes. Not to be like, oh, I'm like an outsider now. So I'm going to go like turn my nose up in the air and yes. find a time. You know, if it's so, it's I know like exactly you need what you're to getting do at. the work, you People know, act really put out and yes. that comes through. It comes when, it when you're like all offended and you're going to kind of like, well, I'm going to show them and I'm not going to text back right away or I'm not going to pick up the phone. It's, I think the other person, it does. Ex- yeah, exactly what you're saying. It does the exact opposite. It, it, pushes people away. It pushes people away. And I think you're feeling, the reason why you're feeling that way is because you're like, oh, I really want to spend more time with that. I mean, it seems so elementary that this is like sort of like the social skills that we're, we're talking about, but it, we kind of forget, like we, we become adults and we have all these layers and insecurities and, and emotional muscle memory, you know, and it, it kind of like brings out some very average behavior that just doesn't get the results that we want. You'll be so ready to help your kids with this. And I think I've done a, if I may say so, a good job helping my kids through this because there's been plenty of times they're not, someone's not invited to the Halloween thing or someone's not invited to whatever. And I'm always quick to point out, like there's probably someone else out there who doesn't have plans and who would absolutely love to hear from you. So it's like, pick up the phone, make other plans and we don't feel sorry for ourselves. Totally. And we're yeah. all very quick to be like, I wasn't invited. I wasn't invited. Yeah. I wasn't invited. Who did oh, you invite? Yes. Yeah. When was the last time you played the cruise director? Yes. Like, come on, put the hat on. Exactly. I love <laughs> that. Getting back to uh, the question from Mia's mother-in-law, I think you and I would both agree that kids don't need to invite the original couple. No. Right. It's just but not necessary. I will say, now this would be up to them, that if that couple reached out and said, oh, do you guys want to have plans? At that point, you could either do what my friend did and said, we haven't seen them in a long time. Can we put another date on the calendar? Or by all means, at that point, you could be inclusive. You could say, sure, you know, and you guys could decide that on your own. You could go either way, but you don't have to impulsively feel like every single time everybody needs the invite. 
And I wouldn't lie about the plans. Like to your point. Yeah. Totally. Don't, don't say, oh, we're busy and be like really vague about it. That's something I think my friends and I have gotten really good at. I, I would say once upon a time, maybe it was harder to share when some were going out without others. But I find it's just better to just say, oh, we're going out with the so-and-sos. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you make another plan. And sometimes yeah, we add people on and sometimes it's exactly what you're saying. Like you haven't seen maybe coupled C in a while. So you want to leave it. We do have, Taryn, some uh, a response also from Julie from Southern California. So I'd like to hear what she has to say and we will wrap it up after that. I agree with Mia's mother-in-law that um, Mia shouldn't be the one to reach out to couple B uh, to invite them since couple A is the one that suggested it. But I would perhaps, depending on the dynamics between the couples, have her broach the subject with couple A. Uh, at the risk of couple A having something negative to say about couple B, I wouldn't want to engage in gossip, but um, just asking if there was a reason why they wanted to make it just just the two families. Um, and then of course, respecting the answer, if there wasn't a reason, maybe she just hadn't thought about it. Um, then by all means include the other couple. If Mia wanted to as well, it would have to be a mutual thing. I don't believe everybody needs to be invited and included all the time, but I would also be concerned about hurting the feelings of couple B if they were the type of couple to be upset by something like that. And in that case, I would want to broach the subject with couple A if I were Mia. It's a tough one. So something Julie said reminded me about a piece of this question and just a piece of the issue in general that I struggle with personally, which is I want to be inclusive. I do. I want people to think of me as inclusive. I don't want people to think of me as somebody who's this exclusive person and um, would leave people out. That balance, though, is hard because, like I said, I really do value having time with less people. And let's say you're planning a trip with other couples or, I mean, you can't have 20 couples. It's like, that's not even fun. I can't want to be inclusive to the point of nothing is enjoyable anymore. It's very, very, very hard. And I think it's a tough boundary. Yeah, it is. But when I think of the word like inclusive, I don't think that inviting every single person to every single thing makes you inclusive. Like there, there has to be more quality. You have to remember quality over quantity. Yeah. And there's many, it requires you to have a lot of social energy. If you have a lot of friends, it mm -hmm. means that you have to sort of, you know, create a lot of different opportunities, I think, to make meaningful time with your friends. Just because you're giving the invite doesn't mean that it that's like a throwaway. It sort of like cheapens the friendship experience, you yeah, know? that's another way of looking at it. Like no, no one really is special to you if there's 20 people invited Correct. to everything. But I think what we were talking about before, so important, and I know this question wasn't about kids, but it's so essential that kids learn early, the earlier the better, not to be offended when they're not included in something. You and I have answered questions together really about this probably several times where the kids are, I can think of one in particular that we answered for a very long time where the kid feels not included and the mom gets all bent out of shape and totally. she ended a friendship over it. And we, you and I have dealt with other questions even on the podcast about parents' friendships. It does sort of rear its ugly head and taking on the kids and you could see how it develop into an adult who is always feeling offended about being left out. Now, okay, let's talk about this for one second. Because if there is an adult that is always being left out, 
or if there's a child that is always being left out. And I mean always. Sometimes you are going to be left Everyone's out. Everyone's left out sometimes. Everyone is left out sometimes, but that's not what you said. You yeah. said if there's a couple in a social group that's always left out, if there's a kid, then that kid and that couple are most likely not in the right social circle because exactly. there has to be a back and forth. People you know? don't like to hear this. You and I have answered something along these lines, and we even got an angry comment back when Taryn and I suggested to a mom who was really, really upset on behalf of, of her kid and herself. She was sort of feeling left out of the neighborhood. And we basically advised that there's nothing wrong with your kid. And there's nothing wrong with you. You're not exactly what you said. You're not in the right social circle. Sometimes that is the answer. It and is. not everyone likes to hear that answer. I know because it's hard making friends and it's mm-hmm. hard keeping friends. Hard and to start over. Honestly, and even based on this question, it's hard maintaining the friendship you know, engine, you know, it's, yes. it's, it's, it, it is, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's exhausting. That's why we have this podcast if, and my column to yes, deal with no, it No, but if you are a person who is always left out, regardless of your age, then you need to start finding people where that is not the case. Mm-hmm. Everybody is going to be left out sometime. You cannot possibly be invited to every single thing every time. But if you are feeling like an outsider in your group, then you are an outsider in your group. Yes, that's true. That's that's some tough love. It, it is. You guys, I this know. This is why I go to Taryn all the time. I'm not agreeing. Look, you're a whoever you are outsider. You, I'm you are I'm sure a wonderful person. I'm not I'm not saying that there's something wrong with you. I'm just saying, I mean, especially when you're an adult, there is simply like chemistry between people and there's not chemistry between yeah. people and there's similar likes and not likes and you know, there's like all all different things play into why a friendship works versus it not working and there just should not be you know, it shouldn't be so hard. It really shouldn't be so hard. Uh, The last thing I want to say, just to bring it back to Mia's mother-in-law, because we definitely ventured outside of it, but all with really important uh, side points, I think, is what a nice mother-in-law. Can we discuss that for a second? To take the time to be this concerned with what's going on with the kids' lives. I I didn't see it as too involved. I saw it as um, just a really kind of nice bit of concern on behalf of, of her kids. And, and I'm sure she's dealt with it also. Yeah, you know, probably. she was like, this is a great question. I've experienced this before. Who hasn't? You yeah, know? it was great. And now for the better friendship goal of the week. Like I said, I have become infinitely better about not feeling a twinge of ickiness when I hear friends are getting together without me. And I work hard to give that message to my kids too, which did take a lot of experience and growth on my part, which Taryn, we talked about in our first episode together, which was episode two of the podcast. This was not always easy for me. My goal for everyone listening this week is to remind yourself that when you hear about friends getting together without you, it means you have friends who value quality time. This is a good thing. It also gives you permission, if you feel you need permission for whatever reason, to make plans with just one or two people at a time. Sometimes we need that permission and I am giving it to you. Taryn, thank you so much for coming back again. I hope you'll come back really again. And I wish you lived in Minneapolis so you really could just be my co-host. Anytime, as long as your fans don't hate my tough love. (laughs) No, it's good. They need it. And I need it. And thanks everyone for listening. You can find all the show notes and a form to ask your own anonymous question on my website, ninabadzen.com. And you can ask anonymous questions on my Facebook 
well, I guess if you're doing it on Facebook, it won't be anonymous, but you can leave anonymous voicemails and the link to all of that is on my website. If you have time to rate and review the podcast or even better, tell a good friend, I'd be so grateful. Remember, when our friendships are going well, we are happier all around. <laughs>